Well, it's so good to see all the smiling faces here in Mount Pleasant and see those smiling faces in Alma this morning. And for those of you joining us online, we're so glad that you are with us and you could be a part of worship this morning. Well, good morning, everyone. Last week, we kicked off a series that starts to put a capstone on these two years of ministry that we've called Advance. And we started looking at 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, where Paul is writing to a church in what is now Greece, in a town called Corinth, and he is going so directly to this idea of money and possessions and generosity. And personally, I'm so grateful that we have this example from Paul, that he's not scared or embarrassed uh, to discuss the topic of money with this church that he loves. And the reason for me is that I don't know that I ever had a biblical perspective on all of these things, uh, and how God wanted me to use my resources until I was well into my adult years. Even though I came to know the Lord as a teenager, I can't say for certain that I ever heard anybody talk to me about what God wants me to do with my stuff, what God wants me to do with the resources that he's blessed me with, until I was well into my married life and my working life, uh, and if I'm being perfectly honest, flailing a bit at knowing how to manage the things that God had entrusted me with. And so we wanted to ask the question, what does God want us to do with our stuff? And so for me, as we've navigated these two almost years of advance, it's been one of my great joys to be able to hear from this pulpit, from this church, a clear call for generosity to answer the question of what the Lord desires of us when it comes to how we steward the blessings that he's given us. To lay down control and our submission of resources to him. And to be able to answer that question, God, what should I do with what you've entrusted to me? And so we're going to come back to 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 this morning, and we're going to get a bit of an insider's look at the ministry of generosity that Paul is trying to establish for this church in Corinth. And also a look in behind the curtain, so to speak, of what do the leaders of this new Christian movement want the churches that they oversee to look like when it comes to being generous? And so as we learned last week, Paul is writing this very high challenge segment of this letter to this church in Corinth, and it's being delivered by a man named Titus. And this is the very same Titus that if you read 2 Corinthians, he's actually being esteemed and lifted up as somebody who is of high character and responsible and actually loves the Corinthian church. And if we take a step back in time, Titus at one point was actually the organizing leader of this new church in the town of Corinth. And so he would be a man that would be familiar to the Corinthians. And so Titus is actually probably the person who took the greeting to Paul that said, hey, the Corinthian church wants to be able to support this church in Jerusalem. And he probably brought with him the first fruits of a gift that was supposed to go to the church in Jerusalem. Because this church in Corinth, they had expressed its desire to help. And they had gotten a hold of a vision that if the church in Jerusalem is suffering, we want to come alongside them. We want to bring some light to our brothers and sisters who are going through some dark times. And they started off really excited. They started off very zealous to help their brothers and sisters in Jerusalem. But what Paul realizes quickly is that their zeal and their excitement has kind of drifted off a little bit. 
And so he's writing this section of this letter and sending Titus with them to help give some support, to give some practical support to this church at Corinth and helping them be generous. Likewise, when we started this journey of advance almost two years ago, we set out that our first and foremost goal was that every single person who calls Community Church their church home would encounter the Lord when it comes to the use of resources, that they would know what Jesus has to say to them when it comes to generosity. But our second goal was that we wanted to make a major difference. We wanted to see the gospel go forward in three key areas. We wanted to advance the gospel right here in Mount Pleasant. We wanted to advance the gospel in Alma. We wanted to advance the gospel through what we call our 418 initiative. And we're going to talk more about those in a little bit. But in these three areas, we felt compelled to call you, Community Church, to participate to respond to the very specific needs in our communities, in Mount Pleasant, in Alma, and all over the world. We asked in each and every one of you to take seriously the question of, how do I respond to the vision that God has laid on the hearts of this church? To go to prayer and to ask this question of, Lord, what would you have me do? A significant area of consideration. And we also did something else that was very different in the life of community church. See, when we had said, here's the need, church, here's the plan of how we need to go to address that need, church, would you pray, would you seek the Lord, and would you make a commitment? Then we took it a step further and said, actually, after you and the Lord have committed together about how you're going to respond to that, would you actually bring us as the church in on that commitment? And at first, Asking you to share that commitment with us felt like a bit of an imposition. And I was in that camp where I was like, man, that's a big deal. Because we truly believe that giving is an agreement that you make in faith with the Lord. There's a very deeply personal act of worship. But here's what we wanted to do. We did not want to go and make unwise decisions about how we address the needs that God had put on our hearts And Paul has an example of this exact same idea when it comes to the Corinthian church. So let's look ahead, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 20. If you've got your Bible, your Bible app with you. This is why we felt it was right to be able to say, hey church, would you share your commitments with us? Paul says this, we want to avoid any criticism in the way we administer this liberal gift. For we are taking pains to do what is right, not only in the eyes of the Lord, but in the eyes of man. And Paul goes on to tell them that they're sending reputable, trusted leaders to Corinth to actually help the church with their generosity because they want to do what is right before God and before people when it comes to handling the generosity of the church. And this is why we felt it was right and good for us to say, hey, church, please share with us your commitments because we know that God can do anything. He can do supernatural things. He can do extravagant things. But we also know that when it comes to generosity, when it comes to using the stuff that God gives us, that there is a practical, methodical, prudent way to handle that. And we didn't want to, at any point of this two-year journey of advance, run out ahead of God. We didn't want at any point of these two years to go out ahead of what God was doing in the hearts of you, our church. 
And so just like Paul and Titus wanted to plan with the churches of Macedonia and Corinth, we thought it was good and right to make a wise plan with you all. And so when we made these plans, we didn't want to go ahead of the Lord. And this practical aspect of generosity, it's actually not just limited to the church as an organization. Actually, Paul calls the individuals of Corinth to take a measured and intentional approach to how they live out this life of generosity. 2 Corinthians 8, chapter, or 2 Corinthians 8 verse 24, he tells them, Therefore, show these men that he's sending the proof. Show them the proof of your love and the reason for our pride in you and so that the churches can see it. And another verse that we'll look at again in a moment, chapter 9, verse 5, finish the arrangements for the generous gift you'd promised. Then it will be ready as a generous gift, not as one grudgingly given. And when we put these verses in the context of everything that Paul has written in 2 Corinthians chapters 8 and 9 and the rest of his letter, he's just reinforcing, he's doubling down on this message of when it comes to generosity, make a plan, set aside your giving with joy, for when the time comes, have it ready, be prepared. Don't make this a spur-of-the-moment thing that comes out of this heart of compulsion. Come to the Lord with joy and a plan when it comes to your life of generosity. And if you were with us last week, Pastor Alan talked about this whole place of the Corinthian church was at where they said, we want to be generous. We have intentions of being generous. But what does it take to move us from the place of wanting to, planning to, to go into the place of living a life of generosity? Well, it takes a plan, and it takes a, a course of action. And so I want to share a story with a couple from our church who, in my mind, are a great example of doing just what is necessary to set up a plan to live this life of generosity, just like what Paul is trying to put in to this church at Corinth. Let's watch this together. Um, I've been attending community church since 1994, and I was a single mom, and uh, my sister was going to the church, and um, so I just came along with her and uh, just loved it and have been here ever since. And I came in uh, November of 2003, uh, was going through a divorce situation and wanted to get back into church again, and so that's why I started here and have been here ever since. We met here at the church. Yep. And about 2010. 2010 um, we so called it church dating. Church dating. <laughs> we highly recommend it. <laughs> yep. When we got married, we both each had a home. And we always said once we sold a house, we would get our finances together. We were in the process of trying to sell Kathy's house, and we both didn't know what either one of us was doing. And we kept saying, once we sell a house, we'll clean it up. It just realized to me, this is crazy. We need to do something ahead of time and then it'll fall into place. You know, and it always seems like when we, you know, do God's thing first, and that's what it really was, is getting our finances straightened around first, then everything will get cleaned up. So we joined Financial Peace in this fall of 2016. Yeah, we'd heard about Financial Peace through the church for quite a while, and you know, we always talked about doing it, but then just, you know, we'll do it eventually. Um, but then he, yeah, I remember he came home from work and said, you know what, I've been thinking, we need to just go ahead and do it, and do it now whether the house is sold or not. It took three and a half years to get totally out of debt, and, um, but, we, but we did it. 
And we just saw God working through that whole time when we had decided, okay, we're going to step out. We're going we're gonna to do our finances the way God wants us to do it. Um, and we're going to you know, be good stewards. The biggest thing is trying to get our budget straightened out at first, trying to figure out how to budget. Because um, I like to spend money. And so I had to be the one that really had to learn how to keep within a budget. And once we got into that routine, that helped. And it started in 2016 and we paid our last mortgage payment on April 1st, 2020, yeah. <laughs> as the pandemic was going on. We drove up to the drive-through window at the bank on April Fool's Day and told the teller, this is our last mortgage payment. <laughs> and it's not a joke. <laughs> well, part of financial peace is too that you do giving why you're getting out of debt. So you're still giving to the local church at the same time. That's part of, that's the first thing you do is you give first off your money and then you figure out your budget from there. So we were already giving and at the time we were still in debt when advance started. So we decided we still have to get out of debt first. We got to stick to the plan, but we can still give to the church. You know, we're still doing that. So that part was really advance was we were just going to continue what we were doing. But I think what we were able to do with being out of debt is we were able to give to advance. Um, but then in addition to that, we were able to give to other needs in the community. Um, when the flooding took place in Midland, several of my coworkers lost their homes and we were able to help them out a little bit. And before we weren't able to do that. And so when we're giving to the church, we're giving, you know, it's not like you said, uh, you know, it's not that the church um, has to have your money but yet the church has to function, the church has staff to pay, but the church also is ministering in all so many different ways, so much more than we could ever do by ourselves. And so you know, we're very happy to, you know, we do what God expects us to do by giving that tithe, but knowing that the church is um, um, being good stewards of our money. Well, and also giving is not so much the money, is a heart change too. Really, that's the big thing, is so that you learn to be more generous that's what, that's the whole design really of giving. And, and even if like given a little percentage, I mean, that's a start, that's a start to give. And knowing that this is, this is something that uh, can bring you joy and can bring you a, a satisfaction um, by giving to somebody. What I love about that story, it's actually when I called Mike and asked, hey, Mike, would you and Kathy be interested in sharing your story? Uh, he was like, for advance? You want me to talk about what we did for advance? We didn't do anything special for advance. We just kept doing what we've been doing for the last several years. And I said, yes, that's, that's exactly the point, uh, is that they have established their life and so many other people in this church, over the last 40 years of ministry at Community Church, there is a pattern of folks who have established their life in a way that generosity is just what they do. Now, if you didn't catch it, Mike said, when we put God's thing first, everything else worked out for us. And I'm, I know, because I know their story, that it's not all been roses and rainbows for Mike and Kathy. But that mindset of the giving, it's to change my heart. It's to see God's priorities first. And what I want to highlight about this way of life where, where generosity is just part of how you live is that the people who have been a part of this ministry for the last four decades who have made that a pattern 
are the reason that doing something like advance has been so successful. It's a reason that this room that those of us in Mount Pleasant are sitting in is here. It's because at some point in time, folks have organized their life so that every week and every month and every year, God is the priority when it comes to their generosity. And so for those of us in the church who, who lead these ministries, we don't have to worry about things like keeping the lights on and buying the kids' curriculum and being able to pay to keep the building functioning because that baseline of ministry is established and set by people who have just made their generosity a part of living. And so that when we have something like Advance where God puts this big vision on our hearts and says, God, we can say to the church, God has given us this thing to reach for and to stretch for and to be above and beyond what we know the baseline of ministry looks like. That's when those things can be successful, is when we have a firm foundation as a church to build upon. And what's resulted from this process of of going to the Lord and saying, God, what do you want this church to be about? How do you want us to put your kingdom in place here in central Michigan and all the places that we have our, our hands and our feet has been nothing short of a powerful move of God. See, I want to take a few minutes and look at what the results are of these almost two years of ministry that we call Advance. And I realize that for some of you who've been around for this whole time since December of 2019, this is going to be a great reminder. Uh, But then there are also plenty of you who are new to community church in the recent months and years. And so this is going to be new information. But what I want to ask you something is when you hear all that God has done in the last two years, And something stirs in your heart, or you hear something that you think, oh, that blesses the heart of God, can I just ask you to respond? Can you open your mouths and declare God's goodness? Can you put your hands together and celebrate together with me as we hear all that God has been able to do over these last two years of ministry? Are you ready for this? Are you sure? I I am so excited to be able to share this with you this morning. And we're going to celebrate even more next week, so don't miss that. Uh, But we set out to make a major impact in three key areas. The first of them was right here in Mount Pleasant. We saw that over the last two years, there was a need to take all of our existing ministries to add resources, to add staffing, to make a greater impact of the lives of children and school-age and college-age students and adults of every age and stage of life across Central Michigan. And with that goal, we wanted to see two years of ministry fully funded before we ever started. Every staff member's salary, every utility bill, every program, every initiative, every event for two entire years completely funded. And within that, we wanted to tell our ministry leaders and our ministry teams Hey, if God is calling you to something different, to something new, to something that stretches your team in a way that's exciting and is going to make a difference for the gospel, go for it. And praise the Lord, we have had zero budget shortfalls in two full years. Every program, every ministry has had every resource that they have needed to do every initiative that God has put on their hearts for two full years. The second thing we wanted to do is we wanted to make a particular investment in groups ministry. Uh, And so I've been on staff for 11 years here at Community Church, and in that entire time, we've never had a dedicated groups ministry person. It's always been groups and something. 
And so in this season of advance, we've been able to bring on a full-time dedicated staff member to support the ministry of groups at both Mount Pleasant and the Alma campus. Very exciting stuff. We also discovered that there was a lack of Christ-centered ministry in central Michigan that was focused on the area of addiction and recovery. And so we set out to launch a chapter of Celebrate Recovery, and that ministry kicked off on Easter of 2021. And ever since that time, we have had 35 to 40 people on a weekly basis who are turning towards Jesus Christ and his saving and redeeming love to help them address their hurts and habits and hang-ups. Amen? Come on. So one single thing that we had set out as a goal for the Mount Pleasant campus, the way we were going to advance the gospel, was that we wanted to make a change in the aesthetics and in the layout of the fellowship hall. And if you don't know where that is, it's on the old side of the building near the chapel. Uh, And we had hoped to make that just a bit more of an attractive space, a bit more functional space for groups and for Wednesday night programs and Tuesday night programs and Celebrate Recovery and funeral meals and community groups. Uh, And we really were like, could we turn it into something that looks and feels like the lobby right outside these doors in Mount Pleasant? Something fresh and something inviting. And when we went and started talking to contractors and designers and telling them, hey, we need this space to do these 17 things, they were like, you can't do that with paint and floors. You need a five-year plan. (laughs) We were like, okay. So what we've decided to do is actually hold the money that we set aside for that project in reserve and apply it to a multi-stage plan to make the older section of the building something that's going to be functional and meets the needs of this church for the next 10, 20, 30, 40 years of ministry. And so those funds are hanging around. They're not going anywhere. Uh, Those will be ready when the opportunity comes to make that project happen. So for the second part of Advance that we wanted to make a major difference in was advancing the gospel in Alma. And the big part of that, the major rock of that leg of this uh, initiative was launching a campus in Alma. And when we started out, we said, we want to take the Alma campus and make it feel and look and have the energy and the heart of community church in Alma. We don't want to miss anything. And so to do that, we wanted to say two years of staffing, two years of programs, two years of supplies, the rent for our space, the upgrades to the space, hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of children's and technical equipment to make worship happen on a Sunday morning, all of that, we wanted it to be paid for. January 2020, Alma Campus launch. Done. Two years, ready to roll. The Alma Campus kicked off in January, three months before COVID, shut everything down. They had 11 awesome weeks before the pandemic. Uh, But what we've seen happen is even throughout the pandemic that there's been a vibrant community that is sharing the heart of God and the heart of community church in Alma. There are people that were not attending church that are finding a church home at our Alma campus. There are people that were far from God that are being saved, that are taking next steps in baptism. There are people who are receiving the love of God for the very first time in Alma. Uh, This is a vibrant, growing community. So we also had the realization that if that church campus was going to thrive over these several years, that they would want a place to call their own eventually. Uh, And so we wanted to give them the resources 
to have a home base, to have a center for ministry for that worshiping community to call their own. Because right now they are setting up and tearing down almost every week. They are renting somebody else's space. And thank goodness for the ministry of Youth for Christ in Alma that is so generous with their space to us. Uh, But it's not ours. And so what we set out to do is for every dollar that comes into advance over the two years that's not already set aside for a budget, a program, an initiative, uh, a staff member, something that's not designated was going to go towards a fund towards permanency for our Alma campus. We are still in a very active search for this permanent home for Alma. And by active, I mean we are walking through buildings that are in every state of repair, uh, fields that are in every state of Uh, use and trying very hard to find that perfect home for our Alma campus friends and family. But the great news is, when when God presents us that opportunity, we're going to be ready and poised to take the next step. Because as the end of September, this Alma Permanency Fund has accumulated just about $1.75 million dollars. And so that's not going to be enough to do everything to get Alma a permanent home, but it's a really good start. It's a really good start. And so as soon as God opens that door, we are ready and poised to walk through it. So the final piece of advance was what we called our 418 initiative. It was this arm of the ministry and this vision that was all about doing what we saw Jesus doing in Luke chapter 4, verse 18. He declares the good news for the poor, proclaims freedom for those who are prisoners and those who are oppressed. This is the tangible outward expression of God's goodness through community church. The first thing that we were able to do is very early on in this initiative was pay off nearly $2 million worth of medical debt that we were able to buy at a reduced rate. And we were able to impact 1,400 families centered around central Michigan, but all over the state, and set them free from the burden of bad medical debt. We also took our deacon's ministry uh, and guaranteed them funding for two years, uh, $160,000 for the work of the deacons over two years, and that team is responsible for the care of the church and the community all over central Michigan. They help people who are... uh, being ready to be evicted, who can't pay their utility bills to keep them in their homes, uh, helps people get to and from medical appointments, anything that puts people under a pressure uh, that we are able to do to help them, that team is responsible for. And so they've had $160,000 over these two years to do that good work. Yeah, praise God. We also took a look at our missions partnerships here in Isabella County and looked for ways to strengthen those and expand them and grow them. Also, our international missionary partnerships, we took uh, responsibility to expand the resources available to them. And as we went into the Alma campus, we started new partnerships in Gratiot County for folks that are feeding the hungry, that are giving shelter to the homeless, and are resourcing the underserved. And finally, we created a fund for our community groups that could access that to do an arm of uh, God's mission work through their community group. 
So they would apply to community church, and we would provide funds for them to do any kind of tangible good work that they felt called to. And so we had uh, community groups that went last Christmas and provided an entire Christmas experience for a family that wasn't going to have one, including a meal and gifts for the entire family. We've got another community group that is actively right now uh, buying supplies to set up the Isabel County Rotating Homeless Shelter for the season. And so giving staple things that are going to serve the homeless as that shelter goes around local churches this winter. Uh, And so great opportunity for community groups to get involved in the work of God through missions. Can you guys feel the heart of God being activated as the 418 initiative goes out? This is how we decided to practically show the love of Jesus to those who are in need, those who are under a trial. These are the people that we felt like Jesus would certainly be serving And as of the end of September, our 418 initiative, every piece of that, has put over half a million dollars into tangible expressions of the gospel in central Michigan and around the world. Praise God, right? So can we just take a moment and say thank you to God for all that has been done, all that is still happening. Because here's the thing, even though we're nearing the completion of advance, we are far from done. 2 Corinthians 9 Verse 2 through 5, Paul says this to the Corinthian church. I know your eagerness to help, and I've been boasting about it to the Macedonians. I've been telling them that since last year, you and Achaia were ready to give. Your enthusiasm has stirred them to action. But I'm sending the brothers in order that our boasting about you in this matter would not prove hollow, but that you would be ready as I said you'd be. For if any of the Macedonians came with me and find you unprepared... We, not only to say anything about you, would be ashamed of having been so confident. So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to visit you in advance and finish the arrangements for the generous gift you'd promised. Then it will be ready as a generous gift and not one grudgingly given. And the first time I read these words, I was like, man, heavy hand, Paul. (laughs) Sending the guys in to prepare the gift. Strong reminder. Ouch. I mean, he's using words like, I don't want to be ashamed of you. I don't want to be ashamed of being so confident in you. But I want us to see it maybe from a different perspective, because as one of your pastors, it's actually been one of my great joys over these last two years to tell the stories of advance, to tell the stories of what God has done through community church, to boast about the impact that collectively with God we've been able to make as the community has felt the impact as the kingdom has felt the resources and the move of God through this church go out. Because things like the deacon's ministry and the work that they're doing and celebrate recovery and people finding freedom and seeing medical debt get paid off, like those are amazing things to tell. And I imagine that Paul is telling the story of the Corinthian church and their eagerness to give and their first fruits of an offering that was brought to him. And he's telling the Macedonians, and he's watching their eyes light up like, oh, we could be a part of that. We could be a part of that. And he's bragging about the Corinthian church. But Paul sending Titus and these other leaders, along with this letter of challenge, it's actually an act of love. It's an act of love because he's doing his best to make sure that the Corinthians live up to the best of what Paul sees in them. 
He's doing his best to see that they live up to everything that he said about them, that what God can do through them, and that it doesn't fall flat. He's doing his best to make sure they don't continue down the path that Pastor Allen talked about last week of, of rich but stingy. He's trying to break them away from that narrative. He's actually going so far as to give them the tools and the encouragement and the resources to follow through and to keep their own word. To follow through on their excitement and their zeal from a year ago, as he wrote this letter, when they were so stirred to action, when their emotions were stirred up, but now it's time to follow through. Now it's time to have a plan. He's shepherding them. He's discipling them because he loves them. These are people that he helped bring to faith, and he wants all of God's best for them. And so he's encouraging them in the way of Jesus. He's encouraging them to excel in their way of giving. He's encouraging them to excel in generosity. And this is my hope for us, church, is that over the last two years, whatever part of this season of advance that you've been a part of, that we've been able to give encouragement and vision and the tools to help us collectively as community church excel in this gift of generosity. Because it's not enough for us to want to be generous. We have to complete the work that God has started in us. And not just this work of, of two years of ministry through advance, but completing the work of being transformed into the likeness of Christ, of making that journey from, I'd like to be a generous person, to living a life where generosity is just a part of how God uses me. Making those steps so that the work of God that started in us could come to completion. So let's finish well. And Pastor Allen's going to share with us next week what it looks like to celebrate and to finish well. That we've made this journey from we want to be to we are, and then how do we leave that legacy? How do we finish well when it comes to being generous? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for the example of Paul, for the goodness of your word that, that takes us on this journey that what feels like challenge is actually a desire for godliness to come out of us. God, for this journey of good intentions to good follow-through to good finishing, we pray that you would complete the work that you started in us as a church. God. We celebrate all that you've done in and through us over these last two years of ministry. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Be blessed, church. Have a great week. Hope to see you back next week for the wrap-up of this series. Have a great Sunday.